This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Part of the GOP tax plan that's being worked on currently involves the potential removal of the medical expense deduction. That allows people who spend more than 10% of their income annually on medical costs to write it off. Only about 5% of tax filers end up using this deduction, but the impact for those who would be signif- uh, who do use it would be significant, especially involving nursing home care, which can run, obviously, into the tens of thousands of dollars a month for the elderly. To discuss this more, we are joined on the phone by John Whitman, who's a Wharton uh, School lecturer, and he's also a Wharton grad class of 1978. He's also executive director of the Trex Institute, which is a nonprofit dedicated to serving to bring positive change in the care of our nation's seniors. And we're also joined by Richard Kaplan, who's a law professor at the University of Illinois, who specializes in tax policy and elder care. John, Richard, thank you both for your time today. All the best. Glad to be with you. Thank you. How much of a concern, John, do you have that, that this is really going to impact both the seniors, but also the families of seniors? Well, from a from a senior perspective, this could have very serious implications because a, a large percentage of the me- medical deduction that's been taken in the past has been by seniors, over 50 percent. And eliminating that, my fear is that it's going to force a lot of families who are trying desperately to care for their loved ones at home. Uh, it's going to it's going to raise the dollar implications of that so significantly that they will no longer be able to do that. And they'll be forced to uh, to to move those loved ones to nursing homes, which is going to then add to the Medicaid the Medicaid bill because most of those will fall under Medicaid payment as opposed to private pay. So I, I think it could have a very serious implication not only on uh, increasing the rate by which people go to nursing homes um, because of the dollar implications, rather than having them cared for at home, which is the best situation to have. I, I have some very serious concerns about that implication. Richard? Well, John's exactly right. In fact, uh, for many people who have exhausted the ability of families to care for them, they, the next step or station, if you want, on the long-term care continuum is typically assisted living facilities and then ultimately, in some cases, a nursing home. As your intro indicated, these are expensive propositions, sometimes as much as $100,000 a year. Less than 10% of seniors have any private long-term care insurance, so that means that families and oftentimes relatives try to fund this themselves. And what this bill will do is introduce a new expenditure on the part of seniors, namely federal taxes. And one of the bizarre consequences is that people will run through their resources faster and will ultimately end up on Medicaid. So what the federal government is seeing as a revenue pickup on the tax side, they may be expending a few years down the road on the Medicaid side. It's not a complete wash, however, because Medicaid is also funded substantially by state governments. So this is going to be an indirect cost to state governments. We we mentioned uh, we mentioned about the fact that this is obviously we're focusing on the uh, the nursing home piece to this, Richard. But obviously, the, for a lot of people that are dealing with uh, children, which obviously have uh, uh, significant medical issues, uh, other uh, elements of, of the uh, medical community, this can have a wide ranging effect. You're absolutely right, because many of the children 
don't necessarily go to nursing homes but try to stay in the home, oftentimes there need to be some physical accommodations made to the residents. Those are also considered medical expenses, rarely covered by any kind of insurance, usually not covered by government programs. That would be another major expenditure that would ordinarily be deductible but now would not be under this bill. 844-WHARTON is the number to give us a call. 844-942-7866 is the number if you'd like to join in. Or if you can't get to the phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111, B-I-Z Radio 111, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Is there an estimate, Richard, uh, about how much savings there is uh, by seniors or by their families because of having this medical deduction as an option for them? Well, it's going to depend very much on the individual. For many older people, the nursing home bill essentially wipes out their taxable income, and so they end up owing virtually no taxes. A good way of flipping this would be to take a look at how much the federal government thinks they're going to pick up, mm-hmm. and that estimate is only around $9 billion. And while that looks like real money, the fact of the matter is, in terms of the grand scheme of a $1.7 trillion tax cut, it's really pretty small potatoes. John? I'd have to agree with that. I don't think, uh, I think this is a, a false implication for the government. They're looking at it as a, as a savings opportunity. But I, I think, as Richard said earlier, long term, this is going to cost a lot more. What is, is, the, uh, is the miss that is going on here, Richard, with uh, this uh, idea potentially being put into the tax proposal? What are the, uh, are the people on Capitol Hill missing here? Well, I'm not sure what their goal is. They claim to have sort of two basic goals. One, as John implied, was to pick up some revenue to balance the tax cuts elsewhere. And I think that's really a pretty small ball, but that is at least possible. Uh, The other one is there is this ethos of trying to simplify the process of preparing taxes. To some degree, this is a carryover of 30 years ago. Now most people are using TurboTax or some other sort of computer system, Mm -hmm. and the preparation of tax returns is really not all that difficult. But the general imprimatur of this whole bill is to try to reduce the complexity of preparing tax returns, and so to that extent they want to remove virtually all itemized deductions. I don't think there was really a big animus against the medical expense deduction as much as just this was one more itemized deduction that they were trying to get rid of. And all of this is part of the idea of the, uh, the, 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 the big piece to this being doubling the standard deduction, correct? That's going to be part of it. The idea is that uh, the standard deduction would be increased so that fewer people will be needing to itemize. That's important for people who have relatively middle-sized medical expenses. But if you're talking about the sorts of things we're discussing, more dollars $60,000 a year, that increase in standard deduction is not going to mean very much. Plus, that whole idea that we're going to increase the standard deduction and people, therefore, can adjust their behavior accordingly, that may work in terms of charitable contributions that you don't have to make those contributions. But almost all of the medical expenses that we're talking about are essentially not controllable. People have to pay them whether there's a government incentive or not. What what do you think, John, this means for the nursing home industry in general? Well, from, from, you know, there's always the yin and the yang side of everything. And for if I was a nursing home administrator right now, I'd probably be viewing this as a positive thing from the standpoint that it will likely drive more census into my buildings. 
when I look at it from a gerontological perspective or from a societal perspective, this is a bad thing because the move in, in senior care services for some time now has been let's keep people in the community in their home as long as we can. It's the best place. They'll get the best possible care. It's the least expensive place to give that care. And, and, and a bill like this or a change like this is going to have that opposite effect. It's going to, it's going to force people, families to move their loved ones into nursing homes much sooner. And, and as, as Richard mentioned earlier, you know, assisted living is oftentimes the next step. Well, that's a private pay situation. And if yeah. they're not going to be able to afford you know, keeping them at home, they're not going to be able to afford the assisted living in most cases. So they'll jump right to the nursing home side where they'll then qualify for Medicaid and Medicaid will then pick up the bill for that. So I, I think from the nursing home operator perspective, this could be viewed positively because it could help help drive census into their buildings. But from a, a society perspective, from a quality of care perspective, you know, from from all of the emphasis that's being placed right now on a social gerontological perspective, this is not a good thing because it's going to force people out of the home into the institutional setting. We are talking about the potential elimination of the medical deduction and the impact that that could have uh, specifically about nursing homes. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. If you're not able to get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at bizradio111, B-I-Z radio 111, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. The other piece to this, John, which we've talked about on this show from time to time is the fact that we're coming to a period in time where we are going to see more and more of the baby boomer generation needing this type of care to begin with. So, I mean, the the numbers of people that may be kind of falling into this group could very well be on the rise. Well, it, it absolutely is on the rise. And the, the greatest users of this type of service, of the nursing home level service, is typically the, the 85 plus population. And that is the fastest growing cohort of any of the cohorts. And, and you're absolutely right. We're going to see in the next, you know, 15 to 20 years, um, it's often referred to as the uh, tsunami of aging services. But you're going to see this huge population coming down the pike. And even with all of the efforts to keep people at home and to find alternative care settings for them, the number of, of seniors that will need a nursing home level of care is going to dramatically increase. And and, uh, it was mentioned before, Richard, but the impact on Medicaid, potentially, if you lose this deduction, uh, it's it's going to run the numbers on Medicaid significantly higher. That's exactly right. In fact, picking up on one of John's earlier observations, while nursing homes may think that this is going to lead to more people coming into their facilities in the near term, and I think he's correct on that, long term, they're going to have more and more residents who are on Medicaid, and Medicaid across the country does not pay anywhere near as much as private pay, so they're going to be looking at significantly lower revenues to operate their facilities, and I would think that they are not going to think that long term this is a good thing. It's interesting that they have not been as active in opposing this as some of the senior advocacy groups, and perhaps uh, that's in response to that is why the U.S. Senate is rumored to be looking at this and to restore the deduction. Richard, I think there's two reasons for that. You know, these nursing home operators have seen a, a gradual but consistent decline in occupancy. The national average right now is about 82.5% occupancy. And you're absolutely right. In 35 of the 50 states, 
Medicaid pays an average of about $20 a day less than the actual cost of providing care. But for a nursing home operator running at 82% occupancy, to pick up five or 10 Medicaid patients, a lot of that's marginal revenue for them. And it gets a little complicated from the financial aspects, but it's, but it's marginal revenue, and they'll gladly take a certain number because the marginal cost of caring for those additional folks is less than the marginal revenue they bring in. But long-term, if that Medicaid occupancy increases beyond a certain point, you're absolutely right. It's a losing financial battle for them. But I think in the short term, they're seeing this as a way of building some of that uh, lost senses back up, not to the point where it creates a, a serious financial implication for them, but where it brings some marginal revenue in right now in the short term. Well, but, but long term, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and John, also the fact that you know it, there's nothing that seems to be showing that medical costs in general are going to be slowing down any time in the future, correct? Nope. No, not at all. Right. In Which fact, on that, go ahead. Sorry. In fact, on that point, uh, as John suggested earlier, there are going to be more and more people seeking these services. So the increase in demand will, if anything, drive the cost higher. And it's not just nursing homes that are affected. Uh, sort of with a silent partner in this whole transition are the state governments. Uh, right now, they are picking up anywhere from a sixth to perhaps half of the cost of Medicaid. And so this will be a major Medicaid expansion that they did not necessarily vote for. 844-942-7866 is the number. With your comments, we're talking about the potential uh, elimination of the medical deduction. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. John, I think, I'm sorry, I apologize if I cut you off. I think you wanted to say something there right before I started. Go ahead. No, no, I was. I, the only other point I was going to make is that, you know, there there are so many things that we can and should be doing within healthcare to save money that that aren't directly related to this bill, but there's so many what I refer to as no-brainers in our healthcare system, you know, things like right now using telemedicine in nursing homes for evenings, nights, and weekends coverage to prevent unavoidable to prevent avoidable and unnecessary hospital readmissions and initial admissions. I mean, that's probably about a billion dollars a year of, of wasted expenditure that I see in our healthcare system. And yet there's solutions that are coming forward that really make a lot of sense. Now, one of the ironic things is when you prevent a patient from going to the, to the hospital, you're saving the Medicare program money. You're actually costing the Medicaid program more money because when the patient leaves the nursing home, Medicare picks up the bill. So if we prevent them from going, it saves Medicare a bundle, but it ends up costing Medicaid more money, but it's the right thing to do for the patient. So we've got all kinds of other implications and, and opportunities out there to improve care and save money above and beyond this, this tax bill issue and all the other issues that are out there. And I think we, we, we don't focus on them as much as we potentially should. Well, John, for a second, I, I will play the role of a caller here, and I will ask probably the generic question that is asked maybe of you on a lot of occasions is, why not? Why not what? Why not? Why aren't we able to do more things to be able to really focus on uh, fixing the uh, the financial element of healthcare right now? Well, there's a whole series of issues. I'll give you a really good example. Um, if you are a nursing home resident and you need a blood transfusion, 
If you're a Medicare nursing home resident, it's the facility has to pay for it because it's included in their rate. If you're a Medicaid long-term care patient, however, it's not. And the only way to get paid is by admitting that patient to the hospital, 4.5 to 5-day length of stay, $15,000 cost, and all the negative aspects of transferring that patient to the hospital, which are very well documented. Um, and it's, it's set up that way because in 65, when the Medicare regulations were first passed, the only place to effectively get a blood transfusion was in the hospital. That was 1965. Right. It's 2017 now, and you can give a, an effective, safe, and, and accurate blood transfusion at the bedside in the nursing home for about an eighth of the cost and eliminate all of the other transfer issues and trauma factors that go with it. I went to CMS, CMMI last year and presented that case, and everybody's nodding their head saying, oh, yeah, 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 we should change it, we should change it. And, and I'm kind of a Peter Pan fan, if you would, and I kind of expected them to change it the next week. They outlined for me a four-year process that we would have to go through to change that. That's absurd. But yeah. that's part of the problem. We have, we have a lot of these rules and regulations that are in place that are very difficult to change. You also have practice patterns by the nursing homes. You know, they work on a very small margin, so to ask them to pick up additional costs for savings down the pike is a difficult thing to do. Again, so there's a whole variety of factors. Again, the way for you to join in with your comments is either by phone at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get your phone, send us a comment via Twitter. We can bring it up on the show that way, at BizRadio111, or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. To San Diego, California, Francesco is online. Francesco, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Um I welcome any kind of deductions, and they need to put in this bill a just for inflation. We learned our, 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 our medicine with the EMT. 80000 was a lot of money, now means nothing. There's no deductions because of the EMT. And they need to put the words a just for inflation. If not, half a million dollars is going to mean nothing in 10 years from now. There's currently no deductions, and we need anything. Any, we all get hit with the EMT. So I would like for them to put adjust for inflation so we okay. don't have to go through this again. Okay. Francesca, thank you. Richard, you want to make the comment? Well, I think he's referring to the alternative minimum tax, which yep. this particular bill would repeal its in, in its entirety effective next year. Uh, he raises an, an interesting issue, however, that has gotten virtually no attention about inflation adjustments. There are inflation adjustments in the bill, but they're changing the measure of inflation adjustment from the well-known consumer price index to a measure that shows much slower increase in inflation. That was intentional. It's been discussed before with the idea of reducing Social Security beneficiary payments, but it kind of got snuck into this one as a way of keeping the various tax parameters lower than they otherwise would be. But to the extent that uh, Francesca was discussing the absence of a medical expense deduction under the alternative minimum tax, they're solving that by getting rid of the alternative minimum tax, but they're basically eliminating the medical expense deduction for everyone. John? I, I would have to agree. I don't have anything to add. Okay. All right. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Uh, with a few minutes left, uh, the, the the question is, I guess, as a lot of things tend to do in, in Washington, uh, they can get negotiated in or out. Uh, John, what is your thoughts? Uh, is this going to be in potentially any final version of bill that we uh, we see come forward? 
I, I think it's early to tell. I think there's been so many changes, so many discussions of changes. I, I, I can't predict where it's going to go. I certainly hope this doesn't go through because, again, I think it's going to have a long-term negative impact on seniors and on people trying to care for their loved ones at home. And I just, I just don't think that's the right way to go. Richard? Yeah, as John indicated, there's a lot of negotiating going on. The Senate uh, bill is uh, alleged, rumored, to restore the medical expense deduction, but at a cost of eliminating the state and local tax deduction in its entirety. So that's a tricky trade-off. Uh, there may be all kinds of possibilities, such as they'll keep the medical expense deduction but raise the floor. As you mentioned in the intro, it's 10% of adjusted gross income. It used to be much lower. It used to be 3 then they raised it to 5 then 7.5%. They could easily decide to have a compromise and be 15 or 20%. That would hurt everyone. It wouldn't uh, be as big an impact on people in nursing homes as it would be in assisted living facilities. But there are ways of preserving parts of it while still uh, keeping much of the revenue. I think it's going to be a matter of where they can pick up the revenue and what other person's oxen or gourd. Well, the the revenue angle to it, Richard, I think is, is important because a lot of people are wondering in general how a tax plan is going to, uh, going to be able to work its way and be even close to revenue neutral. I mean, the estimations from here at the Wharton School with the Penn Wharton budget model are like $1.75 trillion over, over a 10-year period. And that, I think, is a safe estimate at this point. You're exactly right. In fact, they don't even pretend, as the Republicans are not even trying to make it revenue neutral. The budget resolution said they are willing to basically have it lose $1.5 trillion over 10 years. That's a fairly significant, amazing statement nonetheless. But as the Wharton study showed, they're not even hitting that target. And so they're going to be under tremendous pressure to try to at least bring it down to the one point five that they're willing to lose. John? Uh, I'm going to leave on this note. It's a little off the topic, but I think it's still yeah. very important because it's something we need to do. There are so many of these no-brainers in our health care system that are costing us billions and billions of dollars a year and resulting in poor care that then results in additional health care costs. I would love to see our government focus on eliminating some of these no-brainers and the, the obstacles that are in the way to make effective, uh, quick and effective change that will not only improve care and save money. And if we focused on some of those, guess what? These tax issues would become less important. No, no, I'm not saying they're going to go away by any means, but I think there's bigger fish out there that will bring and generate better savings and better care opportunities. Uh, and yet we don't seem to focus on them. But what's respect. interesting, John, is the fact when you compare the the amount of money that it could, we could be talking about here with the medical deduction, and you compare, you compare it with, say, the employer-sponsored health plans and the exemption there, this is realistically kind of a drop in the bucket, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, just go back to that one example I used earlier of blood transfusions. I'm estimating that to be about a half a billion dollars a year of wasted costs. Okay? The telemedicine one that I mentioned, that's about $1.2 billion a year. And that's just two simple examples of how many of these no-brainer examples are out there in the industry that we could effectively change. So uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity yet that we're not tapping into. Richard? Well, you're exactly right. In fact, I just pulled up the uh, federal tax expenditure budget, and you were referring to the employer 
uh, provided health insurance exclusion. That is literally 26 times the amount of revenue that we're talking about here. Uh, but uh, the health care debate that John's mentioning uh, was uh, certainly the attempt at this whole replace and repeal um, the Affordable Care Act. And while it would be a good idea to basically take a holistic approach to the American health care system generally, uh, there seems to be virtually no appetite, at least among the majority party, to look at that issue except in the context of repealing something that they don't like called Obamacare. Uh, and even at this point, they don't seem to want to approach that. So yeah. the tax uh, battle, while it may not be central, <clears throat> seems to be the focus of attention. In fact, what's interesting is how little attention to all of the issues we've talked about today were discussed when they were talking about health care reform. And, and hopefully, John, it's something where these these are discussions that don't get lost in the wash because they need to be they need to come forward. They need to come forward big time. And, and they haven't yet, but I'm still hopeful. Yeah. Great to have you both with us, John. Thank you very much for your time. Richard, as well. Thank, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you both. John Whitman uh, of here of the Wharton School, Richard Kaplan of the University of Illinois. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.